Blog Talk Radio. All right, we want to say greetings to everyone. Thank you all so much for joining us today. My name is Brother Hawk Bolden, and as usual, we're so grateful to the Lord uh, for being here and for helping us to uh, share in God's Word and sharing those things that the Lord has laid on our hearts to share with you all. All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's go to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. We have been talking about um, God will not share glory. This is part five of that series. And uh, we just look forward to uh, getting through this message and hoping that it will bless you and help you uh, in the things of God. So the first, uh, actually, we're going to do the second chapter of uh, 1 Corinthians, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. He says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Of course, now this is the second chapter of 1 Corinthians. And came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. He's talking about his meekness. In other words, his mindset. He was not there to necessarily lord it over the people. Uh, he was there to be a help to them. All right, in verse 4. It says, and my, pre- my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. So he's talking about how he preached. He's talking about, this. in other words, he wasn't one of those preachers that was busy trying to come up with all these little gimmick speeches that some preachers do. Uh, he was not concerned with coming up with these nice things that would help get people through uh, attention to be on God and not on me and how good of a speaker that I was or that I am. You see, so look at what he says in verse 4, and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. So now enticing, he's meaning I was not trying to draw people in through emotionalism, through, you know, in other words, everybody, everyone in the world, to some some extent or degree, want to be encouraged. They're going through some things in life. You're not going to hardly run across anybody that's not going through something. And so what happens is some side of man. In other words, it's really more about uh, appealing to that part of the man that they can immediately identify with. So you, you got a lack of bills, I'm going to preach to that. I'm going to preach to that part of you, and that's going to get you to come around. And so what he's saying is I was not using enticing words. This, in other words, this was not an emotional show. I was not trying to appeal to your natural senses. Now, the truth of the matter is when God preaches to people, he's appealing to them spiritually what's taking place, not necessarily naturally, because what's happening naturally 
is always a reflection of what is going on spiritually. You see that? Uh, when I see somebody that, for instance, if I see someone that keeps a, a junky house, uh, that's usually an indication of that spirit. So you can take that to the bank. Whatever you see uh, naturally is an indication of things spiritually. And so it is important for the man of God when he's preaching to appeal to the because that's what really fixes the natural side. You see that? And so <clears throat> what he's saying is I was not using enticing using uh words of enticement. I was not using enticing words of man's wisdom. Man's wisdom, in other words, I was not looking at what happens naturally so I was not looking at the outer things and then appealing to that, trying to use the word of God to do it. He's saying that I, look at what he says, but in demonstration of the spirit and power. So in other words, when when the gospel is preached, there should be power present to break those things in the lives of people, to break those areas in their lives. So you can preach to the natural part, and people know that. People will tell you all day long. They can tell you all day long what's going on with them. Uh, some people will say, well, I can't stop smoking, I can't stop drinking, I can't stop fornicating. But, you know, and, and so you can appeal, you know, uh, with enticing words, but the bottom line is, is words, there's no use in you telling people or dealing with the natural part if, if the spiritual part is all out of place. Because if you don't deal with the spiritual side of that person, what takes place is, it opens up the door, and they'll just go right back into what they were in, in to begin with. They'll be in the same mess, and they will assume that there's no power of God present to break those yokes that they're dealing with, you see that, to break those things in their lives. And so he, he's saying that my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, you see that. And, and so you deal with that, you see, you deal with that, and when you deal with that, it gives that five. Look at what it says. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And that's the reason why we have so many disillusioned people in the church today, because they were going to someone who were preaching to their flesh. And a lot of times when preachers preach to people's flesh, it, it sounds good, but that's as far as it goes to the flesh. You see that? Go to the ear, and you spend. You may spend the rest of your week trying to encourage yourself on the words that you got on Sunday, but that's not enough to change. You're still the same individual, and and that's what that's what lets you know something is wrong there. If you're the same person that you were five years ago, there's something wrong if you've been going to church the whole time. You're supposed to be growing. You should not be dealing with the same issues. You should be growing in some areas in your life. You see, and and so that's how you know. The difference, the spirit, when the spirit man is being preached to, and, and a lot of times what turns people off from that whole thing is they 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 notice things very clear to them what's going on on the surface. But when you start dealing with the spirit part of it, when you start dealing with the spirit man, that's where the issue comes in that because a lot of times people aren't even paying attention to that. You see that a lot of times people are they just they see the fruit of it and that's and they and that's what they want the preacher to deal with is the fruit of it. 
And but that keeps God from receiving glory because you can go to some psychiatrist and they can deal with the fruit of your mess. You see that? And so a lot of times, and which is probably why we got so much psychology going on in the preaching today, is because that's what people want. It's psychology. They want to be encouraged. They want the surface stuff to be dealt with. You see that? And when you start asking them things like, have you been born again? Yeah, I, I, I look for the Lord. Okay, but have you been born again? You see, when you start getting to the root of some things, that offense can come in there, especially if they don't know. But God deals with the heart of the matter. You see that? The Lord deals with the heart of the matter. You can see that very clearly when he's talking to the woman at the well, the, the, the Samaritan woman, when he's talking to her. You know, she's going on and on about how, you know, uh, they worship and things like that. And, and then the Lord lets, basically lets them know, you know, if you if if you uh, knew who I was, you would ask me uh, from water, and I'd give you living water. I'd give you something that you never thirst again. And she brought up Jacob. Well, how do you think you better than his? How do you think your water is better than his? You see? And so... They went on and on and on, and finally he got the root of it. Where's your husband? Go, go get your husband. She said, "Well, uh, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have a husband." He said, "You said right, you don't have one, but you've been married five times, and the man that you're with now, he's not your husband." So in that, you said right. Getting to the root of her issue, it wasn't that she had all these failed relationships, and she just needed the, some counseling on how to be a better wife. What it really was was she needed a relationship with God because only God could teach her how to be the wife that she needed to be. You see that? She thought, now she had religion. She knew where to worship, and she thought she knew how to worship, and she was going back to, you know, their lineage, the Samaritan lineage, lineage to Jacob, you know, but that wasn't good enough. And see, and that, and God says that to us as well. What your the religion that your mom and them had, that's not good enough. Doesn't matter how saved they were, you need to be saved. You're not gonna be standing alongside of your parents when when you stand before God. You're gonna to have to give an account for your own life. And that's what the Lord has said. You need a relationship with him. That's now that's part of a lot of people's problems, you see. Now that's what preaching to the spirit man is. Where are you in your relationship with God? Because if that's intact, then everything else is intact. You see that? The Lord is supposed to be the center there. And when he's not the center, everything else is off balance. You see? So look at what he says, verse 5, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. I'm not appealing to your flesh. I'm preaching to your spirit, man. And you're going to know that it's nothing but God, nobody but God, that could change you. It's not See what happens when people get preached, their flesh get preached to. They, they, they may say, okay, yeah, you're right. I do need to. I need to be this way or I need to do that. And so they start trying to do those things in their flesh, but it never lasts. But again, because God is no flesh is going to glory in his presence. So God is not going to allow you to come to church and continue to be self-righteous. That's what self-righteousness is. When you're trying to change self by yourself instead of depending on the power of God, and so what happens is you may get you may hear a word and it may be preached to, 
And, um, you know, you you figure, well, okay, you have to see that. That needs to change. And then you start trying to do it, and it doesn't last. And then you just feel like, okay, after, especially after you've tried a few times, well, there's no use. I guess I'm just this way or whatever. And you get disheartened, you know. Well, God, no flesh is going to glory in his sight. That means you too. You see, you're not going to glory. God's own God. His spirit that lives on the inside of you is what changes you, and you're and you surrender into that spirit. But it's your change comes from the power of God. It does not come through self-effort. It comes from the power of God. Now you have to know that. You see that you have to know that that your changes it comes from the power of God. You see that, and and, and you have to know that. So. That's what he's saying, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, including your own wisdom about it. You see that? Including your own wisdom. God don't want your faith standing in flesh. The Bible says, cursed be the man who makes flesh, who who trusts in all flesh. In other words, in the strength of of flesh, whether it's your, your pastor or whoever, God wants you to trust in him. And those ministers, their job is to point you to God. You see that? And so you have to know that, that God desires for you to have a relationship with him. That's what brings it all around. That's what makes you line up with him. You see that? He's your reference point, and it's his power that changes you. So now let's go to the 14th chapter of the book of Acts. The 14th chapter of the book of Acts. And we're going to start reading um, says, and there sat a man at Lystra, impotent in his feet, being a cripple from his mother's womb, who never had walked. The same heard Paul speak, who steadfastly beholding him, and perceiving that he had faith to be healed, said with a loud voice, Stand up right on thy feet. And he leaped and walked. You see that? Now, let's point that out there. That the man heard Paul speak, and Paul was looking at him, in other words, just focused on him. And it says that he perceived, in other words, Paul perceived that the man had faith to be healed. Now, I think that's very important for you to see that. It wasn't Paul's faith. Don't blame the man of God when you don't get healed. It ain't, you know, it, it's your faith. You, even Jesus Christ, the Bible says in the sixth chapter of the book of Mark, that when he came into his own country, he could do no mighty miracles there except pray and, and heal a few sick people. Why? Because of their unbelief. So, and, and there was faith in the flesh. You see that? But it is, so Paul perceived that this man had faith to be healed. And because he perceived that, the man, he told the man, stand up on your feet, and the man leaped up and walked. Verse 11, and when the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in the speech of Laconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas, Jupiter, and Paul, Mercurius, because he was the chief speaker. Everybody see that? So they, they just in that instant, giving them <laughs> God's name. You see that? Verse 13, and the priest of, then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands 
unto the gate, and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people. You see that? And ran in among them, you see. They they couldn't stand that. What was it? They knew what had happened to the to Herod, who who stood up giving a speech and, and allowed the people to praise him. It's the voice of a God and not a man. And and the Bible says that the angel of the Lord struck him dead. They understood that, so they said, Well, let, we need to hurry up and get in that. We need to hurry up and do something about this. You know, when people come out of the world and they come among church people and they get saved, they may still have some of those old habits where they want to praise men. They may still have some of those. I'm not saying don't honor people. I'm not saying don't respect people. But I'm telling you, when God is behind something, you better give him credit for it. And don't allow people to give you the credit for what God has done. You see that? And I tell you, you want to make some enemies? You just have some people ask you, well, you know, brother, how did you stop spoken? Oh, it was just God. It was the power of God. Yeah, okay, I understand that, but what did you do? Just ask God to help me. Ask God to help me with it, and he did that. You see, people, when they approach you, even believers, they want a natural, they want to try things naturally. So, And really, I just look at it like the prophets of of uh, Balaam, who sat at Jezebel's table, how when they when they built that altar and they were praying to their God to to send fire from heaven, all of those theatrics that they were doing, jumping up and down on the altar, cutting themselves, you know, people do all kinds of things in the flesh, trying to achieve what only God can give them, and God will let you do it. God did not one time say all those hours that those men were doing that because they did that for hours, and God didn't say, well, you know what. They put forth all this effort. I guess I'm going to go ahead and send fire down for them. I'm going to go ahead and give them a little fire, you know. not going to be as big as what I do for Elijah. I'm going to do something. But, no, God don't work. The only thing that pleases God is faith. God don't need, God don't need your help in what he has to do in your life. You see that? If you couldn't do it yourself, then you just need to sit down somewhere. This is not a partnership. God, the only thing God needs from you is your faith that it can be done and that he can do it. You see that? God don't, you just have to know the power of God. You see that? Him healing cancer is just as easy as him taking away a headache. It's all the same to him. He don't have muscles where this requires a lot of strength. Cancer weighs 500 pounds and your headache weighs two pounds. It's all the same to him. You don't know, you know, all of that. You don't judge it like that when you're all-powerful. When you're all-powerful, there's no such thing as heavy and light. You see that? And you have to know that about God. Now, to us, in this realm, there is that way. It is that way. And if we're not careful, we can assume that something is big for God. requires our faith, you see. And God does not require our help. And, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm going to help you out. I, I say when you receive instruction from God, you do what God tells you to do, your faith and your obedience. Now, that's where your work come in at is when God has told you, given you instruction. The same way Naaman went to Elijah about the leprosy that he had. He received instruction, go dip in the River Jordan seven times. 
In other words, it was an act of faith. It, his faith was required. It, it wasn't the dipping, but the obedience in it. You see that? And so when God gives you instructions, then you move in those instructions. You see that? But it, your instruct, the instruction has nothing to do with, you know, your effort as much as it is your obedience. That's what God requires. You see that? That's what he requires. All right, so verse 14, it says, Which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, why do ye do these things? We, are, we also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. You see that? He's telling them, get rid of all these vanities, all in all, in other words, all of these empty things. Why are you doing this? Verse 16, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their ways. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. And with these things, scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. You see that? And, and that, that's God's will. In other words, glory. Give, those sacrifices represented giving glory to Paul and, and Barnabas, you see. And so we have to be careful. And you notice even the titles, Mercurius and Jupiter, they, those were given. And so you have to be careful, folks. <laughs> uh, may even call you by the, the office that you're walking in. But you better be careful that it's not coming from a, a place that it should not a place of worship. I believe, again, in people being honored. I don't see anything wrong with people being called by their office. You know, we know Elijah was a prophet because he was a prophet. You see that? They they just weren't walking around not knowing who they were, and people were referring to them according to their office, you see. But there's a fine line between that and, and being made a god out of. You see that? There's a fine line between between that and people taking it too far, you see. And so we have to be careful with that. As believers, we have to be careful with that and not allow ourselves to become big-headed and make sure that we continue to give God glory because he will not share his glory with anyone. It doesn't matter how close you are with God. You were, no human can be as close to God as what Lucifer was. Everybody understand? You, you're not going to be as close. And so if God sent him out of heaven like lightning, sent him out of heaven like lightning, then what do you think he'll do for anybody anybody else? They call themselves, trying to make themselves equal with him or put themselves above him. He will not share glory. Now, that's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven. He wanted glory. Pride, he was lifted up. You see that? And I'm telling you, we, we have to be careful with those things. We have to be very careful with them because we'll get ourselves in trouble. if we Humility is the key. The Bible says that, that God resists the proud. That word resist means to fight. He actively fights against the proud. You ever wonder why some people are just so low, you know, and it just seems like nothing's going right for them? Could it be pride and God actively fighting against it? Because he knows that they can't handle certain things without being lifted up. You see that? So we have to be careful with that. God will not share glory. So let's always make sure that we give God glory in the things that that, that he deserves glory. 
Amen. So we want to say thank you all for joining us today. We pray that something was said that has been a blessing to you, and we look forward to sharing more of God's word with you. Have a blessed day.